You're listening to Car Seat Questions, a podcast for parents of curious kids. I'm Lauren. And I'm Eddie. And if you're anything like us, you either have a kid or you care for a kid with questions. Questions about all sorts of things. So for the next half hour, hop into the passenger seat, buckle your belt, and become childlike with us as the Lord takes us where he wants us to go. Enjoy the show. Thanks for joining us, Randy. Happy to do it. It's a pleasure to be here. I know that you didn't believe me, but truly, you were the first person that came to mind (laughs) when we were talking about how to develop a child spiritually. And I just have really admired your, how long you've been in next-gen ministry. And it's not, it wasn't just like a stepping stone for you. I think a lot of people can just like, oh, I'm going to be with the kids and then I'll grow up and be with like the senior pastor. But I've really admired that you have a heart for and are vested in children's lives. So that's kind of like why we wanted to talk to you today. Yeah, I appreciate that. I I questioned your sincerity and me (laughs) being the first one just because it's been so long since you've reached out to me, Lauren, but it's good to talk to you today. So, and I do, I, I, I genuinely believe that when you impact a child or a student, it has long-term and obviously eventual eternal impact. So uh, I think the more people take that seriously, whether it's in the church or in the home and try and do it really well, the better. So that's why I've dedicated my life to doing that. And Randy, that that really stuck out to me in your bio, um, where you say that uh, you believe to lead or or join endeavors impacting kids and students for Christ is one of the greatest internal investments anyone can make. Can you uh, just unpack that a little bit as to what that uh, what that means for you? Yeah, I think um, you know when you look at the fact that there's been plenty of research done about. Um, the value of reaching children when they're young and what that means for them long-term and the effectiveness and the impact of investing in reaching children versus waiting until, you know, people are into adulthood and um, things that talk about how, what, at what age, a person's worldview gets set and that's generally pretty young. So obviously as a Christ follower, uh, my belief is that whether somebody chooses to follow Jesus or not is the most important decision that they're ever going to make. And so the more young people we can help to make that decision and the earlier we can help them to make that decision so that it, is something that they live the rest of their lives, the better. Yeah. Do you have like a story of when, I don't know, maybe one of your sons or even someone from like in Sunday school asked you a question and you were like, um, how do I answer that question? Like it was a way bigger question than you expected a child to have. Do you have a story like that? Yeah. I think, you know, we get questions like that all the time. I think, um, in our, in our church context, as we're putting kids around leaders, whether those leaders are students or whether those leaders are adults that are working with students, 
I think people are often surprised at the spiritual depth of questions that kids ask. I think people are often surprised at uh, sometimes the difficulty and the hardship of life situations that kids and students are dealing with. Um, so there's a fair amount of consistency of people having to navigate really big things with kids, again, whether it's life circumstance or theology. A specific question that comes to mind, I remember uh, it was involving one of my own sons. We were at home one day and, you know, we weren't, we were, it wasn't like we were sitting around having family devotions. It was just kind of a random interaction. And he looked at me and he said, hey, dad, do you love Jesus more than you love me? And he was probably in early elementary school when he asked me that question and it caught me by surprise again partly because of the moment we were you know doing laundry or something right it was like just a random normal family circumstance going on um and the fact that he had been thinking about that obviously and processing that question without it being initiated um and so i thought about it quickly and i told him I said, yeah, I do. I said, I love Jesus more than I love you, more than I loved your mom, more than I love anyone or anything. And the look in his face was kind of a mixture of, I think that was the answer he expected. <laughs> and at the same time, he was also a little hurt and a little disappointed that I was looking at him mm -hmm. and just being very forthright and saying, yes, you're not the most important part of my life. But I was also able to explain to him that because I love Jesus more than I love you, I'm actually able to love you better than if I loved you most. Um, and so trying to help him see that when you follow Jesus, it impacts and changes every other aspect of your life. And so I can be a better husband. I can be a better father because I love Jesus the most. Um, I think that made him feel a little better when <laughs> I gave him some explanation as opposed to if I had just said, yep, I love <laughs> Jesus more than you. I'll see you later. So, um, so that was a question that I was, uh, I was glad he asked and gave me, gave me pause to think about, okay, how do I answer this truthfully and encourage my son with that and not crush him with that? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's so interesting because kids they they take in information literally, right? And so, like you said, without without an explanation of what that actually means, he was just probably thinking to himself, "Man, my dad doesn't love me as much as like you know someone else." Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's a big question. How do you like prepare to even like? I guess you can't really prepare for like things you don't know are coming, but how do you, how have you prepared yourself to answer these types of questions for kids? What do you like? Is there any like practice or things that you read or like blogs or people you look up to? Like, how do you prepare yourself for like these theological questions that kids have? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, all of the things you just mentioned is part of it. Obviously it starts with my own personal study of scripture. I think for any parent. You know, you need to be in God's word consistently. You need to be learning and growing personally just as a Christ follower. And then then you can 
hand some of what you're learning to kids in the right way at the mm-hmm. right time, right? It's the same thing we tell people in church about being a small group leader, regardless of what age you're leading is you don't have to know everything. You just need to, you know, hopefully be a little bit further along than the people that you're leading so that you can show them, Hey, here's what I'm learning. Here's how I'm living this. And then let's process it together. And I think in a lot of ways, it's the same as parents. We want to be growing spiritually, um, and then be able to pass on to our kids here's what I've learned and here's how I'm wrestling with it. And here's how I'm living that out. And so in certain families, it looks different, right? For somebody who's been a Christian for a long time and they're just starting their family and they've got very young children. Well, they probably know a lot more than their kids. But if you look at maybe a parent who just recently became a Christ follower themselves, and maybe they've got teenage children, well, there's going to be a lot less of a gap between what I know and how I'm living and what I'm able to pass on, but that's okay. Like it's, it's largely about how are we growing personally? So obviously starting with scripture and consistent worship and church and, you know, how are you learning and growing? And then, yeah, reading, reading things from other parents and getting around parents that are a little bit further along than you and asking them questions and learning from them. So, um, and then just being okay with the fact that knowing no matter how much you study, no matter how much you're trying to prepare on the front end, there's going to be circumstances that come up. There's going to be questions that come up that you're not going to know the answer to. And being able to look at your kid and say, Hey, that's a great question. I'm not sure. Let's figure that out together. Like, let's see how together we can go and learn that. And for some parents, that's a real struggle to be like, to be able to look at your child and say, I'm not sure. Um, but I think it goes, it goes further with kids to be honest with them when you don't know something and say, let's, let's figure that out together than to try and make it seem like you've got the right answer. And then you stumble through and then they recognize like, I'm not sure they really know what they're talking about. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) those are, those are some of the things that, that have been helpful for me. Yeah. And so in your experience as a pastor or as a father, uh, can you give us some patterns of what you've seen in kids and how they develop spiritually, um, either by age or just their understanding, um, of scripture? Yeah. Um, you know, and certainly there's, no shortage of resources out there on uh, how kids uh, grow and learn developmentally and what that looks like. Um, and so getting getting your hands on some resources uh, along those lines can certainly be helpful. Um, but just kind of if I were to look at uh, sort of some big category breakdowns, I'd say, you know, when kids are very young, like babies and very early preschool age, I think it's important just to get them around the church and other Christ followers so that they can begin to see and actually experience, hey, I can be loved by people that are not just my family. And so, you know, even even a kid getting dropped off in the nursery contributes to their spiritual development because 
it's the very first stages of them participating in a faith community. And obviously they, they have no concept of articulating that they can barely articulate anything at all, <laughs> but they experience it and they experience being loved by people consistently that are not mom and dad or not grandma and grandpa. And what does that look like? And so I think that begins to set a very early foundation. Um, you know, as kids get a little older with preschool age, like early elementary, I think just the very basics with them of there is a God, here's some qualities and characteristics of God. This is a Bible. This is, you know, why the Bible is important to us. Just those very basic things with kids. And then as kids get older into like upper elementary, um, you know, they're starting to ask more questions. They're starting to ask questions just about God and theology and scripture. They're starting to ask questions about what they believe and the things that they've heard in church. You know, you're, you're not going to get a lot of preschool kids that will question, uh, if what they're hearing is true or, um, you know, should I believe this or whatever, but as kids start to get a little older in elementary and certainly middle school, they start asking those questions, middle school, they're really trying to figure out their identity as a human being and what that looks like and how does faith play a part of that. Um, you know, certainly elementary age kids are at a place where they're able to make their own commitment and profession of faith in Christ. And they're choosing if they're going to do that or not. Um, I think in middle school, they're starting to really look at kind of, um, is, is faith, is Christianity, is that going to be a part of who I am? Is that going to be all of who I am? Is it something that's like this add on thing that I may or may not believe, or it may or may not be a part of my life simply when I'm at church versus is it really, uh, all of who I am. And then, you know, as they get older into high school, they're wanting a lot more life application. They're wanting to figure out more like, is this going to be who I am for the rest of my life as I leave my family home and as I venture out onto my own. Um, so in very broad kind of sweeping categories, I'd say those are just some, when I'm looking at developmental markers in kids, um, looking at kind of where they're at and what it looks like to minister to them. Yeah, that's really helpful. I think for us personally, we had, we had our son, uh, June of 2020. So like church was like not happening. <laughs> like yeah, every right. church was still online. And then even our church that we were attending, it was, they weren't even after like most churches were back, you know, wearing masks in church and, but it was still like back to somewhat normal our son was still under two and our church wasn't accepting children under two because they're not quite old enough to wear masks. And so, and you know, they spread disease, like it's their job. <laughs> and so our son has like never been to Sunday school, or like never been to nursery. And yeah. I think that's something that we also struggle with is like, okay, so he goes to daycare and he's gotten used to that and we drop him off there, but like then dropping him off at like another set of strangers is like a hard transition. But you talking about how important it is for him to, for like our son, other children to know that they can be loved by other people than just us is like so important. And I want him to know that and I want him to experience that. So that's like really helpful for 
me to hear that, that it helps in his spiritual development to be dropped off at Sunday school. He's not just going there to play with like toys. Like they're, it's helping in (laughs) like him knowing that he's loved by others and ultimately loved by God. So that's, that's really important. Yeah. And you've got hopefully a group of people that are receiving him into his room that it's, it's what they've been called by God to do, right? They've been, they've been equipped and gifted spiritually to serve children and young children in that specific way right now sometimes you'll get people that are in there just because they want to get out of church and don't (laughs) want to sit in the message or whatever but hopefully that's the minority hopefully the majority of them are there because that's what they've been called to do and they love they love those kids really well and you know i've seen it for 30 plus years a lot of times it's it's harder for the parents to drop off the kids than it is for the kids to be dropped off. And so, um, and yeah, sometimes it takes time and for them to get acclimated, um, and then for them to develop their own little sense of community with Mm -hmm. other kids, their age that they might see. And, and it's one of the reasons why, you know, if you're at a church that has multiple services, we always encourage families as best as you're able, pick a consistent Mm -hmm. service. And we're encouraging people that serve as best as you're able, pick a consistent service to build that sense of community and relationship, even with the very youngest of kids. Yeah, that's a great point. I never thought about that. Yeah, I think it's been our worst fear, but (laughs) it it has been a fear of ours, you know, especially wanting to attend church again, like in person. Um, Just thinking about, again, leaving Trey with, strangers you know but but there's actually like a different side of it right and it's it's for his own good right spiritually yeah um and so as we as we talk about spiritual development in children um again in your experience how how do we make these answers digestible for children in ways that they're going to be able to not so much retain but also understand um, as they continue to develop spiritually yeah, I think it's important to, um, especially in the home setting, when you are obviously able to give your kids extremely individualized attention, even if you know, even if the family has multiple children, is it's important to, in some ways, take your cues from them. Um, and I don't mean that they set the spiritual direction in the home, but I mean as it pertains to kind of where they're at with the topics that need to be discussed or the questions that they have um, is obviously you want to take into account developmental stages and what's appropriate and you don't want to give kids too much too soon or try and explain abstract concepts to a kid that can only think in concrete ways. Um, But as kids are asking questions, then I would zero in on what are the questions that they're asking or what are just the kind of random statements that they make um, as you're in the car or in the grocery store or at home and then pay attention to that and then follow up on those things and figure out how do we for me one of the struggles as a parent was always um, what's the appropriate level of Mm -hmm turning something into a teaching moment, right? Because 
you don't want you don't want every interaction to be exasperating to your kids to the point where they're like, okay, can we ever just <laughs> you know go sledding and not have it be <laughs> a conversation on theology, right? So you got to figure. But then there are times where it's very appropriate and necessary, and it's like, wow, this is this is a great teaching moment, and I've got to utilize this. So I think paying attention to just what are the things that are coming up naturally in conversation. Um, I think making making your parenting an ongoing conversation. Um, whenever whenever I'm talking to parents, I try and encourage them with all of the whatever the big topics are when we think about parenting. Instead of saying, "Okay, I'm going to sit down and we're going to discuss this." you know, as a family with our kids and then check the box. We had the conversation <laughs> to make it an ongoing conversation. And maybe it's in smaller bites, but it's more often. Um, so, so paying attention to kind of the cues that come up with them, um, having conversations in an ongoing way. And then certainly there's going to be times where as parents, we want to lead the way and say, Hey, um, you know, let's talk about this. I was having a conversation with a dad just last week in church, actually, who has a child who is in uh, sixth grade and the dad was concerned because the kid hasn't been baptized and hasn't really expressed an interest in baptism. And so, you know, I was just we were talking and I said, there's certainly nothing wrong with you initiating a conversation. And you can do that very naturally by saying, Hey, I was at church today and we were talking about baptism. Is that something you've ever thought about? Are you interested in that? But then knowing you don't want to force that. And, you know, baptism is something that obviously we want to make sure kids are spiritually at a place where they are able to make that commitment and understand it. Um, but obviously it's gotta be their choice. It's not going to be something where you want a kid to get baptized mm -hmm. because their dad wants them to. Right. So there's ways where we can say, Hey, this has been on my mind and I just wanted to ask you about it and kind of start that conversation. Um, but again, just be mindful of with the age of the kids and where they're at developmentally, where do we need to just be really concrete and basic? Where can we maybe start to think about um, examples or illustrations that might be a little more abstract and cause them to think like with analogies uh, and where are kids able to do that or are they not able to do that? Yeah, that's really helpful. I think it's just like I, I have to get around like I want to like go all in like go super deep with them and it's like, okay, he's four, like chill out. <laughs> and like trying, I need to wrap my own head around like, let's just give him bite-sized bite pieces, you know, as he's developing, as they're developing instead of, well, I have to tell you the entire, like what the Trinity means right at this exact moment because you're asking. <laughs> it doesn't matter for the grocery store. Right. Because <laughs> I want them, you know, I want them to know, but it's also, they also can't, you know, handle all that information at one time and in in what kind of, sizes i guess right yeah 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 well this has like been really helpful for me i'm feeling really spurred on to parenting and <laughs> spurred on in like coming alongside 
our church coming alongside the work of Christ in our son's life and, you know, helping to be a spiritual, a spiritual like leader in, in our son's life. Um, so I really appreciate you coming on with us. I appreciate your time and your wisdom and sharing with us. Um, our last question that we want to ask all of our guests that come on with us is, what do you want your kids to know about their spiritual lives and their spiritual development? What is like the one thing that you would want them to take away? If there was one central idea or truth about God that I would want my kids to know, it's probably um, yeah. the combination of God's power and God's love. Um, the fact that God is all-powerful and the fact that God is loving. And because he is both of those things at all times, he has, you know, what the way I, the way I tell it to kids is if God were all powerful, but weren't loving, then he's just the dictator, right? He's got the power to do whatever he wants, but doesn't do it out of a sense of love for us. The reverse, if God is all loving, but doesn't have the power to enact anything, then he's just, you know, he's friendly, he's nice, but can't really do anything on our behalf. But because God is both all powerful and love, he is able to do anything and he uses his power from a sense of motivation of love and goodness, right? He's a good God and he does good things. And so to take comfort in the fact to always remember that because God is all powerful, because God is love, to know that he's always working the fullness of his power mm. and the fullness of his love together to work out his best plan and purpose in our lives. And so no matter what's going on, when things are great and there's moments of celebration or when things are really hard and really painful to know that it's okay, that God's got it because he's all powerful and when things are happening that I don't understand, I trust in his love combined with his power. So that's probably, if there's one kind of single truth about God that I'd want my kids and the kids at our church that I serve to know it's that God is all powerful, God is love, and he's always working the fullness of his power and the fullness of his love together to work out his best plan and purpose for their lives. Randy, are you trying to take us to church right now? Because you definitely did. <laughs> you definitely did. I, as Lauren said, I appreciate you coming on uh, and just talking to us about something that is, again, it's it, it can be hard to navigate with children and just their understanding of the world. So I uh, appreciate you uh, coming on. And uh, with, with our, to end our episodes, we'd like to do a benediction and a send off. Um, so to him who is able to do far more than we can understand, may he give us the wisdom to raise our children to first love God above all else and love others as themselves. Go in peace. <laughs>